You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, and I am joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks get back on the winner's list, it was an interesting game, a, a bit of a slow start for the Bucks defensively, but they come home strong with a 38-point fourth quarter to beat the Cavs 129-112 at home. Before we get into that, I will remind you, today's podcast is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. And Frank, it was a little bit of a weird game again. Uh, George Hill top scores with 19 points and then it's... uh, uh, sorry, actually, Milton had 21, then George Hill 19, and Pat Connaughton 17. Even spread across the board offensively, but I do think it's always nice to, to win a game without Giannis needing to score 30 points. Well, uh, long-time listeners of this podcast know I'm a uh, self-avowed Giannis stat whore, so um, <laughs> anytime he looks as just sort of like confused and disengaged offensively as he does tonight I'm, I'm generally not going to be pleased and I mean we talked the other day uh, you know playing Cleveland at home is kind of a, a no-win situation in a psychological sense even though it's an almost certain win situation from a, you know a standing sense because you know if you kind of play with your food a little bit which I feel like is probably a decent way to describe the Bucks tonight I mean Cavs or the Cavs it never felt like the Cavs were going to win this game, um, but the Cavs didn't go away, and the Bucks kind of just—I don't know what, how you would describe it. I mean, they obviously did enough to win this game comfortably, um, but it never felt like this was close to you know a one Bucks performance. Uh, and, and obviously, that starts with Giannis. I mean, five out of fifteen shooting, uh, four out of eight from the free throw line, continues to just struggle there. Um, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. You know, in the fourth quarter, he could have had a dunk and just let George Hill, gave the ball George Hill on a two-on-none, um, which is sort of like, I don't know. It was tough to kind of figure out, like, Giannis, where his head was at. He, uh, I guess uh, he and Bledsoe were uh, practicing free throws after the game. Um, and Bledsoe, also 14 points, got to the rim, like, at will, and yet somehow was 6 out of 16 and blew, I don't know, what was the final count, like four four layups yeah, four. on the night. Um, you know, he looked very good in terms of driving around the young uh, Cavaliers guards. But, um, yeah, just kind of a weird, uh, a weird night. Um, but balance is obviously a positive in the grand sense of uh, this team is going to need that, you know, in the, in the playoffs and, and in the future. So, um, as much as it was, you know, kind of a you know, very much an underwhelming performance by Giannis tonight. Uh, obviously, seeing George Hill play well uh, against his former team 
seeing Chris Middleton. D- didn't feel like Chris Middleton actually had that good of a game, but nine out of 14 shooting, three out of five from three, didn't even take a free throw. Um, 21 points, as you mentioned, in 29 minutes. Uh, you know, the end result was there. And uh, Wes Matthews, another five out of nine shooting night, as had Brooke Lopez. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Pat Connaughton was, was unconscious early. Um, so lots of, lots of contributors, which in, you know, in, is a, is a good thing. You don't need Giannis, as you said, to, to win games. Um, that said, you know, did I watch this game and feel like the Bucks learned their lesson from the loss on Saturday? No, that was, <laughs> that was not the impression I got. I, I didn't get the feeling that the Bucks had, uh, you know, cleaned up all their, their issues or anything like that. Um, but you know, again, it's a long season and, you know, if you can kind of, uh, half-ass, uh, 17 point victories against teams, you're obviously a pretty damn good team. Uh, and you know, sort of this, I think this was a, a good example of sort of how high the bar is for the Milwaukee Bucks at this point, you know, it was a 17 point win and it felt like, meh, whatever, you know, um, but that's, that's the way it's going to be this year. And it's, you know, again, that's, that's a sign of, of being a very good basketball team. Yeah, I'll start with, with Bledsoe. I mean, you, you mentioned the missed layups and it was, was so strange. That was the, the number that we spoke about on, on the podcast last week, a 70, over 70% in the restricted area last season. And then uh, he was really struggling to finish anything. But, you know, I, I do think a, a positive sign for him. I mean, six for 16 shooting is, is not great. But the fact that he seemed really confident in getting to that, those spots and, and taking a lot of contact seems like a good thing for, for his rib issue if, if that's something that he's still dealing with, which I, I'm sure he must be in, in, you know, in some regard. But eight assists is a nice number for him. And you know, I, I think that there were some positives to take from that. But I, I do kind of agree with what you said on the last podcast. It's like <laughs> Eric Bledsoe did some pretty nice things tonight, but I think the overwhelming sentiment is that he had a bad night because if, if he makes those four layups, he has a 20, 20 point eight assist night. And, and, you know, you really can't complain with that uh, offensively, but yeah, it's, it's, he's going to be in a tough situation this year where he has to do a lot to really, <laughs> to really impress the Bucks fans, I, I, I guess. But uh, you touched on George Hill. I think that was him. And that's a, that's a big advantage that the Bucks are going to have at the, at the backup point guard spot. I mean, George Hill is really still a starting caliber uh, point guard. And you saw when he got the matchup on Dally there in the third quarter, he really, really took the game over because uh, <laughs> he could blow by Dally with uh, my fellow, my fellow countrymen with, with absolute ease out there. And then Pat Conan, you, you mentioned him, but this is two games now that he's really sort of kept the Bucks afloat there. I mean, I, I don't think the Bucks were in danger of losing this game tonight, but you think about the second quarter in Houston on the opener and now tonight, uh, that's that's two really really nice games for him off the bench scoring the ball. Uh, I, I don't think you can expect him to shoot four for five every night, but anytime you get these types of contributions from uh, two or three guys off the bench, you're probably going to be uh, a pretty good chance of of coming home with the win. But I think defensively, I was certainly watching this game, and in the first quarter, I was like, oh boy. This is uh, this is not the response I was really looking for after after what happened against Miami, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I've got a couple of thoughts, and I do think defensive numbers early in the season. I mean, they're so noisy because you don't really have a chance to let the sort of the luck affected numbers take control of of what you're looking at. But clearly, the Bucks at the moment are having some issues. With their pick and roll defense, I, I think 
that it's and it's not necessarily that they're, that they're giving up too many different shots than they were last year. I mean, we know that the the mid range floater and the mid range jumper were available at will to opposition teams last season, but so far through uh, this was prior to tonight, so I, the numbers weren't updated yet. But they were giving up fifty percent on shots between ten to fourteen feet. So that tells you that teams. A, know that know even more so than they did last year that they can get that shot whenever they want against the Bucks. And the other interesting thing is that the lob is really opened up, and I, I think that it could be could have something to do with the pace of the game. I don't know how you feel about that, but when that help is a little slow to come and they give up that mid range floater, I mean, it seems like the guy in the dunker's position, whoever that is, is has got a, an easy easy basket at this point. Yeah, I mean, we we probably also saw um, you know in, in Houston a team that probably exploits that as as well as you know yeah pretty much any any other team um with capella for sure and, and even tyson chandler you know has a long history of, of finishing alley-oops even at his age um so it'll, again these are all things i think will be interesting to kind of see how they how they stabilize as as the year kind of goes on um you know i was looking a little bit at at the the play type data that you kind of reference this is the kind of synergy data you can find on stats.nba.com um, and you know, the ball handler data doesn't seem horrendous for the bucks at this point. You know, again, this is like you know, literally a, a two game sample of, of yeah. what's in there right now. Um, but, uh, you know, the, they, they are last in the league in points per play on roll men, <laughs> roll men touches, <laughs> but they're only giving up five per game. So 10 total, they've given up, uh, 18 points on 10 roll man possessions, which I'm guessing, uh, you know, are mostly those, those alley-oops that we saw in the first two games. So, uh, you know, again, this is sort of, um, you know, really basic defensive tactics in the NBA, right? How do you balance, um, challenging, uh, you know, the, the driver, uh, especially if you're going over on, on picks as the bucks typically do, you know, you have to get the, the rear contests, uh, you know, as, as close as you can to try to put pressure on the ball handler. Um, and then, you know, the, the backside help as well uh, when you have a roller. Um, and we saw it tonight, Tristan Thompson, I think, got loose a number of times um, as a roll man. And, you know, there's multiple ways you can play this. And it's typically there's going to be some vulnerability, depending on how you do it. If you obviously uh, send, send help, you know, kind of help the helper, then you're going to give up, you know, potential uh, kickout passes for, for three-pointers. And again, I mean, I'd say last year the Bucks kind of the proof was in the the defensive rating, uh, you know, finishing first overall. Um, so far, obviously, you know, the Bucks are I think they're 14th right now in defensive rating through the three games. Um, so it's not like they've been destroyed or something like that in terms of uh, their defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, I'd say overall, it, it does feel like something is still missing from this team. Um, you know, we really haven't seen them play anything close to a complete basketball game, but, you know, again, um, it's early in the season. If, if you can grind out wins while you're still kind of working things out, obviously, uh, there are worse places to be than that. But, um, you know, again, I think the, the two game home stand here, you expected to win both games, you got to split. And now you have some road games coming up, which, uh, I think are, you know, going to test the bucks a bit and just sort of see, have they kind of reached the level of consistency that you came to expect from them last year? Um, or are they still going to be working through some things on the fly? Are they still going to be prone to maybe nights where, uh, where they don't play to the level that, that you're expecting? Yeah. 
yeah so just and, and you did you already touched on that and the fact that it as i sort of said it, it's it's hard to take a lot from these numbers until you've you've probably got a month or, or two months of, of data there but uh just for reference the the 50 that i touched on from 10 to 14 feet last year uh opponents shot 42.4 percent uh really the big difference there is that they were taking 11 shots per game in that range over the course of the season this year and again this was only through the first two games there were seven i I feel like there was probably more of those tonight uh and then last year they also shot 47 percent from 15 to 19 feet as well so yeah in some ways you sort of watch these last few games and you think oh well you know this is frustrating but yeah, to be honest, it's it maybe isn't as different to to what we saw last year. I, I think that uh, you know it does get frustrating. But I, I remember last year the same things. You know, when you look at the, the Twitter conversation and sort of how the fans are judging this defense, that happened a lot last year where teams were just feasting in the mid range. This is in many respects what the Bucks are open to giving up. And as I said, I I, I do think that you know the Bucks will need to make some adjustments there. And and I don't think. You know, again, it, it's hard to really put it on one player, but I mean, the you know, at this point, we still haven't seen the same. Probably, I don't know. I, I really want to steer clear away from saying energy and effort, but we haven't seen the same aggressiveness, I guess, from the Bucks defense. And it's interesting to me when you look at the mental aspect of of probably what the Bucks are going through, because you can talk all summer long, and the Bucks have, and they've said all the right things in terms of what last year meant to this team in terms of motivating them and coming in this year and going one step further. But at the end of the day, it's still October and you've got a home game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that you could probably sleepwalk through and get a win. And they did the same thing against Miami the other night without Jimmy Butler. And the NBA season is long. And this is a new experience for this team coming into a year where there's no question marks whether they're going to make the playoffs. You think that they are. I mean, you know, you, you expect that they're going to they're expected to be a championship contender. So now the start of the season it does become a little bit of a grind. And I don't think it's going to be an issue for games like this uh, Wednesday against Boston. But, you know, certainly these home games where no one is even questioning whether you're going to win and you can still get away with playing a pretty scratchy performance and win by 17 points. These are going to be the ones that they're going to have to fight through. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether they can find that motivation, particularly early in the season to get things going. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the Boston game should be, should be fun just because obviously there is a little bit of history between these two teams playing in the last two years in the playoffs, obviously, you know, both teams, um, you know, have changed a lot, especially since that, that first meeting in the playoffs. Um, but you know, a good test Boston, I think still an, also a team that is trying to, uh, you know, figure, figure out some things. Um, and certainly if you're the bucks and you look at them, obviously, thing I'm most curious about is just how that uh, Celtics defense, especially given the lack of um, kind of proven interior players, uh, you know, Cantor obviously offensively can, can do things, but defensively major question marks, Robert Williams, um, interesting young talent, uh, but certainly has, you know, has not proven it consistently, obviously at this point as a second year player. So, um, so I'm curious about that. And then obviously just Kemba coming in for Kyrie and, and Tatum and, and Brown, obviously, being expected to make a, a jump. So um, yeah, it should be a fun, a fun game. And, and again, I, I'm always kind of curious in games like this, you know, it just seems like Giannis, if he has an underwhelming night, whether it's in a loss or like game like this, where it's a win and he just sort of doesn't really, doesn't really seem to have it. Um, it just seems inevitably he comes out in the next game and kind of takes it somehow to, to yet another level. So 
um, certainly against the Celtics, a team that he has, um, you know, uh, shown the ability to do that against, uh, you know, post game one last year in the playoffs. Um, and now Al Horford is obviously gone. So hopefully we'll see more of that on, on Wednesday, but, um, a number of difficult games coming up. So, you know, any, any of these games, um, at home, you really want to just, you know, bank these right away. Um, cause, cause again, you just, you just have no idea what, uh, how the standings are going to shake up. Are there going to be some surprise teams, you know, that, uh, that you didn't expect to be very good. I think in the East, I'm, again, I'm not expecting it to be a team other than Philly and the Bucks, but um, you know, you, you never know. And, uh, and again, when, you know, when you're, when you're aiming for, for championship contention and you're aiming for home court through every round of the playoffs, um, you know, as much as the season is long, every, every game has, has significance and uh, obviously good to see the Bucks kind of get back on the right track tonight. But uh we're three games in, 79 to go, and uh, still, still lots of room for improvement, which I'm sure pretty much every coach will, would tell you that's how they feel at this point in the season. Um, but certainly from the Bucks, given the high bar we have for them, uh, there, there definitely appears to be a, a lot more room that, that this team can grow. And, um, you know, whether you want to look at individually or, uh, or collectively, um, there's, there's still a lot of upside to tap in. Yeah, and you, you touched on Giannis. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. I think I look at this two ways now. Um, and, and really, I know that, I mean, the problem is with Giannis that the bar is so high. So we we spoke about his, his game against Miami where he was 12 for 21, and that's almost like a, a really inefficient night for, for him. Um, certainly the 0 for 5 three-point shooting played a, a part in that. But, uh, you know, now tonight he goes 5 for 15. So a couple of uncharacteristic games, I guess, shooting the ball, inefficient nights by his usual standard. Uh, certainly Boston is a team that, that he has generally got up for. And, and last year in the three, we know what he did in the playoffs, but during the three regular season games, he averaged 31 points, 10 rebounds and 4.3 assists. So, uh, you know, this will be really interesting to see how he comes out. Also 65% true shooting in those games against Boston. So, I mean, he's really dominated uh, the Celtics, and as you touched on, without Al Horford, I'm kind of interested to see how the Celtics look to defend him in this game. It's, it's, it looks like it's a, it's a really tough matchup uh, for them. And clearly, Giannis, I wouldn't say, it's hard to really say that he struggles against anyone, but it was interesting that he's, he's had a couple of big-bodied defenders at this point. You know, certainly P.J. Tucker against Houston, uh, and then, you know, Bam for, for long periods against Miami. And then tonight he comes up against, you know, that's a difficult matchup for him. I, I think a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot and then can shoot the three Kevin Love. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how he comes into this one. But it's pretty rare that he has two games in a row where he shoots, and again, like 12 for 21, I mean, for most players, is still pretty good. But, you know, by his standards, it's it's pretty rare that he goes three games in a row where he, he really, uh, you know, struggles to, to get off, off the chain there offensively in particular, and particularly in the paint. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think, I think the thing I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, he again, certainly his confidence shooting the ball, I mean, you know, is, I would say, not, uh, not looking very high now. He misses two more threes tonight. Um, I think, you know, he's not looking for three pointers right now, um, which is fine. Right. I mean, again, like on a night like this where he didn't really have much going, I I think his first instinct should be to attack, especially given, you know, it's not like 
you're talking about the, the this being the Raptors defense from last playoffs or something like that that you're going up against. Um, but you know, again, I mean, he starts two out of five, and you know, two games later, his his season numbers are down to two out of twelve. His free throw shooting has been really poor. Four out of eight tonight. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm very curious. You know, is 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 he just going to be like a mediocre free throw shooter this year? Like, is this just going to be like a thing that he can't shake? Um, I think mentally you have questions about his makeup, um, dealing with the pressure of certainly playoff free throw shooting. That's been something not just last year in the playoffs, but in previous years, he's suffered a drop off in free throw shooting in the playoffs and the playoffs. And you kind of worry. I mean, we know he's the hardest worker around, but um, you know, hard work does not guarantee anything, especially when it comes to shooting and for three point shooting is a good example, but um, you know, certainly, I mean, you look at the Mike Budenholzer era, um, it has not done any, any, anything for Giannis shooting either at the free throw line or from three, um, which certainly I had high hopes that, that he would realize some benefit, um, but so far nothing. Um, and, and again, I don't know how much is, is tied into mechanics. Um, you know, certainly it's, it's three point shooting is free throw shooting. I would say not, not something you'd say is like, Oh, he's, he's super consistent um, with his mechanics, the way he misses, um, he misses everything short when he misses. Um, and clearly, you know, he's in year seven and hasn't figured this stuff out. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. We're, we're still very early in this season, but after, after last season um, and the six, the five seasons that came before it uh, and especially with his free throw shooting in the playoffs, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting, I'm starting to get a bit of paranoia that he's just not going to be able to figure this out. Um, because I mean, is he going to change his mechanics at the start of the season all of a sudden? Like, I don't know, but certainly the mechanics he changed a little bit last year, didn't pay dividends. And so far, I mean, certainly not, not, uh, not doing anything this year either. So, um, you know, it's, it, at least for now, there's no sign of, of that Achilles heel, um, being, being resolved. And, um, again, the, he's going to have an ample opportunity in the regular season to work on this, and um, he's going to have no shortage of, of opportunities to shoot free throws, especially as he continues to struggle. Teams are going to probably be more and more interested in just hacking him and, and trying to make him earn it. Um, so that's probably you know one of those things that, that I'm, I'm worried about. And just kind of similarly, um, you know, with Bledsoe, I mean, have we, hit, have, have we seen him hit a jump shot aside from, like, I think he hit the first shot, uh, corner three, I believe in Houston. And otherwise, uh, you know, he's made layups and some like a couple of short little, uh, shots, but I, I don't think he's hit a jump shot. Otherwise he looks to be putting even more arc on his free throws, which, um, he's missed free throws. Uh, I don't know. I mean, between Bledsoe and Giannis, I I'm, I'm worried that there's potential for, for like shooting yips all year. And obviously you're talking about, you know, arguably two of your three best players, which um, is, is definitely something that, that bears, uh, bears watching, if not something to, to, to be necessarily really panicking about at this point. Yeah, Bledsoe, it was interesting. I, I actually forgot, you know, about both these three. So he, hit two, he was two for four against Houston. I, I, I forgot about the second one. But I, yeah, it was that one from the, from the left corner to start that game. But Bledsoe now, two for ten from three on the season. And, yeah, I mean, I thought that some of the attempts that Giannis was getting up against Miami were, you know, even... <laughs> it's probably easy to say for him, but I, I didn't think they were good shots. For him, like if he's going to shoot threes, he shouldn't just be pulling up 
uh, early in the shot clock. He did that a few times. Tonight, he definitely seemed a little more hesitant, I would say. But yeah, again, sort of as you said, I'm not as worried about the three-point shooting as I am the free throws because now he's 15 for 28, just 53% from the free throw line on the season. And he's had 28 attempts through three games. So, you know, if he's going to be taking 10 free throws a game, which we sort of expect if you look at last season, he can't be sitting around that. I mean, he needs to find a way to get that up. The question is, yeah, I I don't know how he does that now because you really hoped that after the playoffs last year, you know, somehow he would come back with, with a bit more confidence there from the free throw line. But it does seem to be just a mental thing. And, and some of them are, are horribly short. And I know you tweeted uh, late in the game against Miami, something along the lines of, you know, missing the first free throw short in a clutch situation. And that is something that we've seen. And, you know, even some of those 15 that he's made, they've barely sort of got over the over the front rim and, and down. So it's something to watch. I mean, when you look at all the positives so far, and Alice seven assists tonight. So 27 assists through three games is the good. But yeah, the free throw shooting is is definitely going to be a concern for him. And yeah, I mean, Bledsoe, this is this will be interesting to watch now. I mean, you know, just over thirty percent from three last year uh, for him was pretty good. Uh, we know what he's he's been like in in the playoffs, but you start to, I mean, it really just makes it hard, you know, for this offense. If Bledsoe is someone that all of a sudden completely capitulates shooting the ball and is and can't really score anywhere from the restricted anywhere else other than the restricted area, then the whole offense suffers. And we saw this in the playoffs last year that it was almost impossible to play Bledsoe down the stretch in games. I mean, you you, you, you were costing the offense by doing that. So, you know, he, he needs to start hitting some threes. And some of them have been pretty good looks for, you know, for anyone, really wide open threes that he just hasn't been able to knock down. So, yeah, this is definitely something to, to watch when you look at Eric Bledsoe because the other three starters, you know, they're hitting their threes. Milton, Lopez, Matthews has been shooting the ball pretty well. We already spoke about Pat Connaughton and George Hill off the bench. So, yeah, it's it becomes a, a real real talking point if Bledsoe can't can't figure out uh, his jump shot because yeah, that you know, particularly when you consider the defensive end, if he can't play at the level that he was last year, then he's a tough guy to play uh, next to Giannis, which which obviously would be pretty catastrophic for this team as as the stakes start to rise through the season but yeah I don't know I mean tonight was such a such a weird game again uh for the Bucks it's kind of I think we're gonna have a lot of these nights where the Bucks just win games by double digits you don't necessarily walk away too impressed from from what you've seen and it's just well let's notch another win and and move on move on to the next one but uh I don't know did you have any other any other major major takeaways from this one um well I mentioned uh you know, Matthews hitting five out of nine, 14 points tonight. Um, team I plus 21. Uh, I think, you know, if we're talking about pauses, I mean, the the guys who – obviously they're not a lot of new faces this year. I mean, of guys who played, it's pretty much Corver and, and, and Wes. Uh, and I guess Rolo. Rolo's been pretty underwhelming so far, but between yeah. Corver and Wes, those guys seem to be fitting in pretty well, and, and which makes sense, right, because they play the style of play that the Bucks want to play. Um, so the fact that Wes uh, has come in and especially after that preseason has looked pretty good, you know, especially defensively against the Rockets where obviously there were a lot of questions asked of, of him and the other, uh, of the other defense guards um, 
it was certainly it's been nice to see him kind of show a, a solid level of consistency. He scored 14 points in in each of the three games and um, hit at least 50 percent in each of those. So um, you know, for a guy who shoots threes at the volume he does, to be shooting you know 52 percent from the field and 40 percent from three, very encouraging for sure. Um, so uh, you know, I think that's that's been a positive. And, and Corver tonight, three out of three on threes in 18 minutes. Um, you know. The downside, we finally saw Dante DiVincenzo and, um, and DJ Wilson get some late cameos um, with the game out of reach in the final two minutes. That, that's the obvious kind of flip side of this is, okay, Wes and Corver seem to be acclimating well and contributing. Um, well, who's the odd man out, right? Um, I've been, I, I find it interesting that uh, Bud has pretty much had a 10-man rotation. He has not expanded that really with any consistency we saw sterling early in houston because of fouls um but you know right now dj sterling brown and and dante are, are the odd men out and those are the bucks young guys those are the bucks like guys to develop for the future and they're not playing right now and you know the season is long i mean i'm not not wouldn't say i'm like concerned about that right now because let's be honest i mean the guys ahead of them have, have played well um you know ursan tonight just one out of five um but he obviously was great in the preseason was, was very good. The first couple of games this year. Um, so again, kind of hard to say that, that Ursan shouldn't be playing ahead of DJ right now. Uh, and similarly, I mean, connaughton has been terrific. Corver has, I think looked good. And, and again, probably, you know, some, some attempt here to try to get, you know, a sense of how Corver will, will fit into, uh, into this offense. And obviously West being a starter, you know, he's going to have every opportunity. So, um, so, you know, kind of uh, the double-edged sword, right? The veterans uh, acclimating seemingly pretty well here is, is a positive. Um, but obviously, you know, you feel like you want to know what those younger guys can do too. And 79 games left, so we'll, we'll kind of see how that evolves. But, but certainly some uh, tough sledding here early on for the young guys having to be patient. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, particularly Dante, and I know we spoke about this a lot, I did expect him to be playing, but... Wes Matthews, to, to this point, has been impressive. 14 points in, in each game for him. And it was interesting to note tonight, actually, that the, the, when the Bucks really made probably the game-breaking push, it was when they went small. And I, I think part of that, you sort of already touched on, Robin Lopez has had a really difficult start to the season. Uh, I, I sort of mentioned on Twitter, he's been... Just looks frustrated. I think a couple of moving screens for, for him called in, in each game. He hasn't been able to really find his rhythm. We know that he's been shooting the threes during the preseason, but he hasn't been able to make one one yet uh, during the regular season. So, look, a tough stuff for him. And I think in some ways that forced Bud's hand to go with the Ursan at the five uh, unit there. And when you look at the, the box score when, and the plus minus, you already touched on Matthew's team high plus 21. But those five guys with George Hill, uh, I think it was Giannis Middleton uh, were in there as well. And Pat, that's when, when the Bucks really broke the game open. So it'll be interesting to see if this continues for Robin Lopez, what happens with him? I, I think Bud's going to obviously give him more of a chance than, than the first week or, or two of the season. But the success of the smaller lineup is, is interesting to see. And at this point, it's really hard to argue with, with the rotation that Bud is going with. But, you know, I, I, I did think that we would see those guys more often in games that the Bucks are blowing out teams. And maybe, hopefully, if they can figure some things out, particularly defensively, and get some bigger leads in games, that's where Bud might go to, to Dante or, or DJ, uh, rather than seeing them just come in for, uh, for the, uh, 
victory cigar minutes because that that is probably not ideal for 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 those two guys and as you mentioned the development which is it's kind of weird because the Bucks are in the business of winning games and not out here just developing guys for no reason. But I, I did think both those guys, based on what we saw last year, uh, that they may be featured a little more than they are. But certainly at the moment, Bud is leaning on the veterans. We know that he's done this in the past. But Cole Corver again, uh, I keep mentioning it, but this is going to be something to, something to watch with him playing uh, as much as he is early on in the season. But yeah, if he keeps hitting those threes, then it's it's going to be hard to argue with uh, yeah the effect he has on the offense and and the opposition defense when he's out there running running to the corners as he has been. And I mean, like a guy like Corver, like he's never going to get exposed against the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Like that's no. not where you worry about him. Um, it's kind of like Urson, you know. Like I think it's it's going to be interesting to see him uh, guys like that against like top level competition and. You know, can those teams, teams that have depth, teams that have like five strong starters, like can those teams um, expose some of these guys that the Bucks have uh, as part of like kind of the deeper rotation? Because um, that's certainly where then you, you start to say like, oh, well, it'd be really nice to have like one of these young guys who you don't have those same, you know, defensive physical concerns with as as with some of these guys. Um, the only other thing I, so I don't necessarily have an issue with the 10 guys that, that Bud is going with. I mean, it, it's justifiable. I mean, it, I think you would argue those guys have, have earned it with the exception of Rolo, you know, like I, I could you find, try to throw like DJ Wilson in at, at the five or something like that to try to do something or, or run, you know, even Ursan more at the five, which we've seen at times with Giannis. Um, I think that could be something to look at it. You know, I think um, in a general sense, I think, Bud is probably trying to get these, these new veteran additions who he expects to be rotation guys. I don't think he wants to give them a super short leash. So I kind of get it trying to get them acclimated. Um, but the thing I just really did not understand tonight is, you know, we talking about last year with Malcolm Brogdon having to carry some of these second units without Bledsoe, Giannis, or Middleton on the floor. And now you take away Brogdon and now you're running out like all five bench guy units. I just, that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. And look, I get that staggering your starters like requires some creativity, but if there's, you know, three minutes left in the third quarter and you're not shaking you know, you're this like mediocre team. I'd rather have one of my like good dynamic players out on the court rather than expecting, you know, George Hill, Connaughton, Cal Corver, Ursan and Robin Lopez to, to go like build on my lead for me. Right. And, um, you know, a number of those guys have played really well so far, but like those guys are always going to look better when they're feeding off of like, a dy- more dynamic player, like a guy that you can actually run your offense through. So, you know, the fact that tonight, like Corver and Giannis barely share the floor, that doesn't make sense to me. Right? Like, um, you know, we saw it, I think at the end of the third quarter, I think they were out on the court together. And I think they tried to run that, um, that, that kind of inverted pick and roll with Corver setting a screen for Giannis again. But um, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That just seems like really kind of basic, you know, uh, it seems like Bud's kind of being like you know the crusty old coach running with his uh, his bench unit um, and and not trying to stagger his his better players with them. Um, so I don't know. I'm I hope that's not like just a thing that Bud is just going to do all season long, resting his his top players all at once. Um, but I, I guess we'll we'll have to see. Especially Bledsoe, right? I mean, if you want to get Bledsoe going a little bit, like I would think trying to play him, staggering him maybe away from Giannis a little bit. Maybe maybe that can help because um, you know you put shooters around him and, and maybe he can do a little bit more damage. So 
I don't know. Again, we'll kind of, I mean, we're, we're very early going here with everything, but uh, something at least to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think that's particularly important, you know, with the game that's, that's up next, right? I mean, if he's doing that against good teams or, or teams that you expect, then it'll be interesting to monitor if that continues. I, I think, you know, <laughs> these games against Cleveland uh, or teams like that are, are sort of weird, particularly early in the season. And, and maybe he just thought that he wasn't getting what he liked defensively from, from the starters. I'm not too sure. But, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. One other note on this game, Bucks only 15 personal fouls, which roughly uh, a little more than half of their season average coming into this game. So <laughs> they uh, backed off the fouling. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I mean, Giannis ends up with just two fouls and two turnovers. Um, I kind of wonder, was this sort of overcompensating in that regard? Was he playing too controlled? And was that part of the reason why he was so ineffective, especially offensively? Um I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, this is the this is the balance that, that Giannis has to find. But overall, certainly, um, you know, Bucks doing a much better job tonight. Just twelve free throw attempts for uh, the Cavaliers, um, not giving uh, not giving the you know Cleveland lots of cheap points uh, at the at the line. And um, you know, again, Cleveland ultimately one hundred six offensive rating. So you know, again, nothing, not a defensive juggernaut night, but certainly a, a solid effort that you know. Bucks are generally always going to win when they give up a 106 offensive rating to the other team. Bucks 122 tonight uh, themselves. So um, this was by far the most efficient scoring that they've had this year, which may be a little surprising just because they put up huge point totals in the previous two games as well. But those games had uh, had much higher paces. So uh, and and well, the overtime game too just had more possessions because of that. So um, so yeah. Uh, it's obviously something to kind of bear in mind is the Bucks hopefully begin to uh, look a little bit more like the, the Bucks that we're used to. Yeah, you, you did touch on the pace there. I was, I was looking at those numbers before the podcast. Uh, coming into tonight's game, they were number one in the league at uh, just over 110. And after tonight's game, they, they do drop to third. It's still at 108.5. But, you know, clearly, clearly this is, this is something that they're trying to do to, to get the pace up there. But the fouling is big. I mean... You know, the, when you're giving up 30 plus free throws a game, clearly uh, that's that's going to be giving the opposition a, a bunch of free points. And Giannis in particular, I mean, that that was, you know, he doesn't have a great night tonight, but it was kind of somewhat relieving to just not see him in in serious foul trouble. Um, you know, I mean, clearly the first two games were uh, frustrating for him, but yeah, as you mentioned, he, he will have to find that balance because he can't go, you know, full passive mode on, on defense because that's that's not what makes him great but i don't know i mean it's kind of like i said it was kind of a weird one i feel like we we've probably covered everything here with with the Cavs win as the bucks move to two and one but uh any final thoughts before i think i'll probably wrap this up and yeah let's bury this game and, and move on to the next one <laughs> yeah all right that does seem like the best thing to do here i will remind you today's podcast was brought to you by indochino Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. So as I said, it's going to be Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. tip-off on ESPN. uh, Bucks at Celtics, the first time these two teams will see each other since last year's second round of the playoffs. 
for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll leave it there and I'll uh, speak to you guys tomorrow.